Welcome to Sin 315. We're here to encourage and equip Christians to engage in the adventure of sharing Jesus with those that God puts into their life. And we're so glad you're here. Hello, everybody. We are so glad you're here, and we are hanging out with you in the studio. I don't know. We should probably post some pictures of the studio, don't you think, Sarah? Yeah, we have some. Matthew, are you back there? I am. I am here. Matthew's got such a huge computer monitor, I cannot even see him. There he is. He poked his head up. (laughs) You know what? We're in the final two Mm -hmm. styles of communication, of witnessing, of evangelizing, of sharing your faith, really communicating. How did God make you? And to be comfortable and natural and authentic in those instead of trying to be like somebody else. I want to review what we've done, kind of the six styles that we go into that Mm -hmm. they can go on our website and take and dig in deeper. We talked about challenging, and challenging can be like Peter telling the Jews that they killed their Messiah, very confrontational, and 3,000 people get saved. Also, there's analytical, which you've said didn't used to be your strongest and it is your strongest and your analytical comes from your relational because you want to know what people are thinking and how they are Mm -hmm. and all of that and then we talked about servant evangelism or servant communicator who really communicates with their actions. Today, what we're going to dig into are one that I think I think both of us kind of share this. I think this might be your second one. This mm-hmm. might be my first, but it's storytellers. My mm-hmm. story communicating. You might call it a testimonial or you know just podcaster. <laughs> yeah, maybe that. Yeah, but we'll also talk about come and see. And I know we've got some come and seers. Goes back to Philip talking to Nathaniel, and he goes. Dude found a Messiah, and Nathaniel goes, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And he goes, Well, come and see. And there's a lot of people who do that. So we're going to jump into my story, and we're also going to do come and see today. And if you're interested in hearing the other ones, or you took the test and you're like, Oh, it's this one, go back to our couple previous episodes. We dive into those deeper. So, my story. What is your story, Kevin? (laughs) Well, that's an interesting question, I think, because I believe that one's story, a Christian's story, is not necessarily just their conversion experience. And we do have three episodes on your stories, listening to the other person's story, which I think is absolutely critical, and then our story, which might be our conversion before Jesus, Mm -hmm. meeting Jesus, and what it's been like since then. And then the most important story is his story. Mm -hmm. So how do you share the gospel? So those kind of the story breakdowns, but I really think that you need to have a very clear conversion story. I mean, you got to figure that out in your head so that you can communicate it like anything else. But I think my story is ongoing past that. I'm not sharing my conversion, my giving myself to Jesus with every single person that I'm having a God conversation with. I'm listening to the Holy Spirit, hopefully. Mm-hmm. I'm listening to the other person and then intersecting their life where they're at. For example, I just shared a story with you where I had what I considered to be a very, very nice healing. Pretty crazy. I was supposed to have surgery and then I didn't have to have surgery. And I have x-rays of the the gap in my bones that were broken. And then they said, no, go home. You're healing just fine. And that was really nice. That's part of my story. And that would relate to somebody else. Like, hey, did I ever tell you about this. I know you're going through this. Actually, I got a bunch of those, but those are part of my my journey and my walk. And if we think about our story, then that's what we're doing. You're just sharing your life with somebody else. There's some things that we have to be careful of in there mm-hmm. because we can do some things like we talked about in sharing your story episode where, well, for example, 
we need to use the language that the person uses so that they can understand what we're talking about. I probably wouldn't talk to somebody who had no relationship with the Lord at all about vicarious atonement. <laughs> I just don't think I would, unless I wanted them to ask me, what? Well, let me tell you, I'm so glad you asked. But there are other ones that aren't so lofty theological things that are Christianese. Because mm -hmm. we've got code. This family, this tribe, yeah. we've got code about, I don't know, pick your own code, you know, listeners. You have, to, you have to explain the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is powerful and we understand it and we love it. But somebody who's outside of that experience, you have to be speaking their language. Do you know what I'm saying? Definitely. I think even some of the simpler words can be Christianese. There's the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, mm -hmm. peace, patience, all these things. But what we mean when we say some of those things, it could be something completely different yeah. to someone else. There are connection points, but I think it's what you're talking about is understanding what those are. With the my story, I think it's important too that, you know, you don't need a bunch of stories all together to prove your point to somebody. The purpose of sharing a story will be to get that person to start seeing and thinking in a different way than yeah. they had before. I've shared on here before that I got saved by the Lord. There's a buzzword right there, saved. <laughs> I met Jesus when I was very young. I was two years old, and I've grown up in church, consistently walked with him in some form, and I've had seasons of doubt and, okay, I'm not sure about this, but I've always stuck in there because I really do believe, I really do have a relationship with him, and I can't get over that. Sometimes I meet other young people my age, because I'm in my 20s, who also grew up in church, also maybe to a certain point would have said, I knew God, I had a relationship with God, and now they're not walking with God. They've kind of left the church, they've gotten over it, they left because of hypocrisy or not liking certain things or whatever was going on in them. And I can relate to them to that point, except they chose to walk away and I chose to stay. And so when I sit down with someone like this and I talk and we share our stories together, they go, huh, because most of the people that they meet in their 20s who grew up in church that think like them in any sort of way have left the church. And so the purpose of sharing my story in those situations is just to get them to see, oh, you can really stay in church. Oh, this person's intelligent. Oh, this person thinks they dislike things that I dislike, the reasons I walked away, but they chose to stay even in the midst of that. And that's powerful. Yeah. And so that's like an example of where I'll share a certain part of my story story. That's not my whole story. That's just one right. piece, but it connects with a certain type of person in certain situations, right. which is what you're talking about. And knowing that I can just use one, I don't need to use all of them. And sometimes that's hard. I remember the first couple times I shared my testimony with a small group. I did it in high school, my senior year. And I was like, okay, I've got to hit every single story that I've ever had with God. And it was overwhelming and over the top. <laughs> But I didn't know I didn't need to do that. Yeah. I just needed to pick some points that might connect with that group I was talking to. A couple of things. One is that listening is so so critically important. I mean, you don't really earn the right to be heard unless you've given the person the respect of listening to their story. We've got a guy, his brother is in one of our episodes, but we're actually going to have Jim Craig, not Rocky, but his brother Jim, on the podcast as well. And Jim Craig has a supernatural, crazy testimony. I'm talking about being in a wheelchair and then not 
being in a wheelchair and being walking around with a severed spine. Medically it's, severed yeah, spine, but yeah, walking around. And it, and it still is. That's mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. And this is what I heard, and we'll find out. Jim can confirm this or, or not. I might have the story wrong, but the Vatican sent a team, they have mm-hmm. a team, to debunk uh, miracles. And they gave him the seal of approval. Hey, we're not debunking you because here you are, and here's the x-rays, and here's the medical reports, and you've got a story. Woo! The Vatican has not come to check me out yet, as far as I know, on any of my stories. But what's cool about Jim that I really, really love is that he listens so, so well. So he combines this and communicates that story because that story of hope and power and the love of God, but he'll sit and listen to you and he's real funny too. So he's going to be fun to have. So that's listening part, but I want to tell you another one. I had a conversation with a good, good friend of mine that we've done a lot of civic community service stuff, not picking up trash off the freeway, but I mean, on the Economic Development Council and, you know, Chamber of Commerce and all that. And I've always respected the good work she does. She rolls up her sleeves and she's competent. That's really high in my in my evaluation of people that I want to hang out with. And I know that she doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. Was it two years ago when Chosen came out with their first season? I think so. Okay, so I said, you know what? I, I would love for you, because we have just open conversations. We both know where we're coming from. We both respect each other and all that. And I said, would you check this out? Because I really enjoyed it. I would want your perspective. I would love to hear what you think about it, because it just shows the humanity of Jesus and the humanity of the disciples. It's kind of like the gospel through the disciples' eyes. And you're talking about the Chosen TV show. That's correct? exactly right. And that was that one. And so they came back on with the new one. And I went, we got to get together again. And for COVID and everything, we hadn't. And so we had coffee. I said, hey, did you ever watch that? Because it came out again. And she goes, no, I didn't. It got in the pile and I didn't get to it. But I absolutely positively will send it to me again. And I said, there's really this really fun part just to try to give her a little sliver of that experience and get her to maybe uh, be compelled to actually watch it. And I said, uh, there's this one episode in the Jewish wedding. Have you ever been to a Jewish wedding? Jewish you know I'm Jewish, right? And I went, no, I didn't. We never had that conversation in all the time that I've known her. And I go, Jewish weddings are awesome. Man, they're picking people up on chairs and dancing around and they're breaking glass. I mean, it is such a party. She goes, yeah, I've been in a couple of Jewish weddings. I agree. Well, there's this one episode where the disciples are there, some of them, and one of the guys, they're mocking and ridiculing him because he's such a bad dancer. And they're just going, you're a horrible dancer. And there's basin on this guy. And they all the eyes go to Jesus. And Jesus, says, some things I can't even do. Because <laughs> so, they ask him to fix. Fix his dancing. To come, fix his come dancing. Come on, make him a yeah. dancer. And so, then Jesus started dancing with them. I know that this isn't so close to the Bible narrative and all that, but if you give it to a friend to take a look at, and they might go, wait a minute, is that part in the Bible? You know, I was talking to my friend and she said something to me because she was talking about how frustrated she can be with Christians. And I said, Sarah said something to me that really was an epiphany. The Bible says that we are his workmanship. And then she said, but the person I'm talking to is God's workmanship too. That's not like a Christian sticker. That's humanity. And I'm telling her, you're made in the image of God, a creator that cares about you and you're his workmanship. And you know how we do good work together? Yeah, he's got good work for us to go do. And it was just organic and it fit and it's part of my story. So be sure you don't use Christianese. Don't just keep telling your story on and 
on and on and on. One last one. There are spooky stories, at least in my Christian walk. I mean, supernatural, like it, they wouldn't be what I would lead with and blow somebody out of the water by the supernatural experience I had. I'd be sensitive to that unless I knew where the person was coming from, if I had relationship and all that stuff. So that's kind of the landmines, I think, for my story. Mm -hmm. So how would you describe Come and See? I've used the word for it before as, what is the book that helped inspire us with this? Contagious Christianity. Bill Hybels and Mark Middleberg. Yeah, and I think they call this one invitational, mm, and they? we changed it to come and see. But it's this person who is very inviting and will just want to bring people places. It could just be that person that's, oh, let's go do this. Come with me. Let's go here. You know, they, you'll see them in church, and they've always got someone new with them yeah. or they're always have a few people with them or i think of it too sometimes with a come and see person they'll invite you but once you get there you might not see them for whatever reason yeah <laughs> that's kind of how i came to foothills church actually so i was in junior high and one of the girls in my class who i was kind of friends with but we were more acquaintances than good friends she invited me to the junior high group and so i had been going to the school so i knew a bunch of people but i'd never been to the youth group and when i got there i connected with someone completely different she was with her friends and then i made a new friend but it was cool because it was this come and see thing where it's like hey come to youth group it's super fun and i was like oh she invited me. And I think with a come and see person, it's a little bit more than just that invite. They have such enthusiasm yeah. that's natural, such a, you should come to this. Like, I want to see you there. Even if it's just see you there, yeah. it's very powerful. It draws you in to, oh, I, I think I should do that. <laughs> yeah. On a, on a different level. We put together a video about over a decade ago, and it was about inviting people. So what we did is we had people lined up on the street with great big posters, and the whole thing was about who invited you. People will go to church or go to an event because people invited them. That's the number one thing. So I would see these people's names over and over again on these posters. Mm -hmm. Some of the people are listening, and hopefully these people are listening too. The Matthews family. Now, the Matthews family is one of the funnest families. They're crazy. In a good way. Uh, mostly. <laughs> Sometimes a dangerous way too, I think. But I, there's an irresistibility. There's a compellingness. They make parties better and they you know, say, hey, why don't you check this out? And you kind of want to be with them. And their names came up on those posters more than once. There's a few people that are like that. And you're right. It's not just giving a, a little printed invitation to somebody. It's really helping them to think, yeah, that would be great. Yeah, I want to do that. Mostly because of the relationship and the person. You need to watch out two things. One is that you're inviting people to something you really think might be interesting, compelling. I go trail running a lot. I have friends that go mountain biking and surfers and all of that, right? So they invite their friends to do something that they already do. And uh, there just may be some Christians there as well. So church isn't always a service on Sunday. We are the church. And so there's all sorts of doors that people can come through. So when you're, when you're a come and see kind of person, be thinking, does this fit? You and I, before we went on, we talked about like uh, storytelling fails that we might have and that we may not know that we failed. I've got a good friend that really loves the Lord a lot. And he had a guy at work that he kept asking to come. Why don't you come to church? Why do you come to church? He asked him to come and see so many times the guy had to be rude to him. Not only do I not want to come, 
don't ever ask me again. I'm kind of sick of it and I'm over this. And so my buddy that, that I go to church with said, hey, I, I got the point. So the deal is, is to watch out for that. You know, you can be an irritation <laughs> sometimes yeah. in your enthusiasm with come and see. Somebody introduced you to the Lord. Somebody did that. You know, come and see about Jesus. So uh, it's really, really important and should be in all of our different communication styles for sure. Yeah, one biblical example I thought, probably a little bit outside of the norm, but I felt like it exhibits the come and see type of person very well. I thought of Abraham. So hmm. in Genesis 24, he wants his son to marry a woman from his homeland, not from Canaan. And so he tells his servant this and he has his servant swear that he'll ensure that his son Isaac marries a woman from where he wants him to. Yeah. And so he sends his servant out to go back to his homeland and find this wife for him. And the servant comes goes to that land, he's given a bunch of gifts. Like it says he has 10 camels and he has all sorts of jewelry and all sorts of these kinds of gifts. And then he goes to the well and he meets Rachel, if you're familiar with the yep. story. What I think is so interesting and powerful about this is he's coming, this servant is coming from a far off place to get a woman to come marry this other dude who she's never seen, doesn't know what he looks like, doesn't know anything about him. We'll immediately find out he's obviously got some wealth because the servant's got right. all these gifts and this jewelry. And at the well, when Rachel gives the servant a drink and the servant's praying, like, is this a favorable trip or not? He gives her gold rings and gold bracelets. And that's when he asks her, hey, do you have a place I can stay with you? And then she takes him home to the brother and they kind of make the deal to marry Isaac. And she ends up being very happy about that. Yeah. <laughs> And so, so is Isaac. But I think it's so interesting because it wasn't just that the servant invited her to the rich man. He gave her these gold things, hmm. which would make her feel really good and be very interested in, oh, what else does this man from the faraway land have to offer? And so I think in the come and see, when we, however we do it, when you give value to a person that you're inviting into Christianity or to get closer to God or to come to church with you or whatever, when you have some type of gold bracelet, some type of gold ring, like not as a scheme or a tactic of manipulation, but when you offer them something real and of value, they're going to want to come back with you on that journey. That's a very interesting example. And I know that there's so many things that we can share if we genuinely, if there's a book that we read or, well, like The Chosen, you know, there's something of value. I thought this was valuable. Maybe you would think this is valuable too. That's important. And in all of them, the real agenda is to be obedient to what Christ has called us to do and to love them like we've been loved. I helped some lady load 500 pound bags, it felt that heavy, <laughs> of dirt into her car at Home Depot. You know, they were waiting for an employee to come. She could have been there all day. A simple thing like that where you're, you're helping somebody out, it creates an opportunity where you can just say, you know, hey, I am so grateful for what God's given to me. Anytime I can have somebody else out, I want to do it. For sure. It's those simple things that sometimes bring about the greatest opportunities. And I love that you can find those simple moments, like no matter what your style is, if you're come and see my story, servant, analytical, relational, challenging, or you're more than one, you can look for those moments with the Lord. 
And, you know, I, I've really enjoyed this three-part series, and it's been fun diving into it with you, Kevin. You know, for me, I've been aching to get this out because I think it's so critical that people understand, one, a holy creator that loves you so much made you a specific way on purpose. Mm-hmm. So there's no problems. We don't we don't judge someone else's style. We're not jealous of someone else's style. God made us the way we are so that we would operate so natural naturally, you know? And so I just want to encourage everybody, hey, you know, it sounds cliche you know, work on being the best you that God made you to be and don't look at anybody else because we absolutely positively need each other. We do not do this alone. We work as a, if you want to use some Christianese, we're a body, <laughs> right? And we work together to accomplish His purposes. And so I'm, I'm stoked about it. And I hope every single person listening goes to our website, sent315.org, and takes the quiz. Yes, it's going to be under the community tab. We'll keep it there for pretty much as long as we have the website up. It's there. If you scroll down, you look under discovery test, there's a link there to communication styles quiz. Click it, take it, And then this week in our Facebook community, we have a post because we want to know what your style is. So it simply says, what is your style? Leave us a comment on there. We love hearing from you. And you can tell us how you are sent. 